Butter my biscuits and whisk my eggs because you're tuned into the Goose Egg Sports Podcast, the only podcast in the world that only bet $1,500 it doesn't have a gambling problem. Ooh, little throwback. I'm your host, Matt, a.k.a. Matterall, and I'm joined <laughs> by always my co-host, Jared, a.k.a. Grit Romney. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. you're such a just grindstone guy. Uh, I like to think that, yeah. I yeah. I, 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 I like grit. I don't like grits that much, but... No, I don't think anyone does, unless you're from the South. Right, it's something you have to, like, grow up with, and obviously I never really grew up with it. Also reminds me of, like, creamed corn. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big oh. creamed corn fan either. I would struggle in the South. I think the only thing I would do is go to, like, Waffle House. What? And the one time I went to Waffle House when I lived in the South, it just was a bad experience. I, but- went, I went once. It was okay. Yeah, the one time I went, the cook quit, and we just never got our food. <laughs> they just really? walked. Yeah, we went, like, after a night of drinking, and the cook just quit, and we just never got And the waitress was like, yeah, you guys probably just go home. <laughs> We're not going to get another cook. You guys should have just ordered DoorDash to Waffle House then. Yeah, honestly, that would have been fun just for we had the experience. So, but we got, like, the Waffle House experience, I would say. Oh, yeah, that's pretty classic. Yeah. The cook walking out. Yeah, so I was excited about it. I, I left happy. Yeah. I think we ordered a pizza or something like that. At Waffle House? No, we went home. Oh, gotcha. But it was a fun time. Uh, yeah, it was a good time. Speaking of grit, uh, right after we finished the podcast on Tuesday, we talked about how there's the quarterback dominoes. They're starting to fall a Big little time. bit. And the next domino fell the next day. Carson, walk it to him, Wentz. Mm-hmm. Friend, Carson. Of, friend of the program, family member of the program. Yep. Don't don't bash him. I, I'm the only one that can bash him, so be careful. I'm a, I'm a Carson Wentz believer, but he was traded. I don't even know if trade is the right word. I would say this is more of a shipped off scenario yeah he was sent to washington for two third round picks but it sounds like they were ready to get rid of him at all costs right there was reports that frank reich was apologizing to the colts ownership yep about believing in carson yep apparently this all started like during the season even they just Mm -hmm. did not believe in him as the future franchise quarterback for the team and they were according to the athletic article i read i really wish i knew the author's name i'll throw it on the text when i'm editing this pod but according to the article they were fully prepared to just swallow the 15 million and cut him if they couldn't find a trade partner for him Oof, does. so that's bad right and it seems like carson what you get from him it seems like he's a good locker room guy but you would think but this is now multiple times when there's been reports that he's not a good locker room guy right and like every christmas party that he's I'm clear on this. He's not at my Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> but he's always a great time, you know? Yeah. He's always bringing, you know, always brings a good pot roast. And, For those who don't know, Jared is kind of <laughs> distantly related to Carson Wentz. He's like your grandma's cousin. Grandma's, his grandpa and my grandma are like first or second cousins or gotcha. some shit. Because my grandma's maiden name was Wentz. Yep. So that's kind of the, the breadcrumb trail. Yeah. So this pains Jared that we have to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what is the deal with Carson Wentz? Because now that we have multiple reports that he's a bad locker room guy, like multiple, multiple reports. We've always kind of denied it, like on the Eagles, just because, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it might be the Midwest in me, but I always just dismiss those reports. I'm like, no, he's a good, like, Dakota kid. Like, mm-hmm. he's not going to, like... good old boy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, he's not going to, like, none of these reports are true that he was, like, bitching during the 2017 Eagles run that he wasn't the star of the show anymore when right. he was injured. There's reports that he only targeted, to, like, Zach Ertz, or he wouldn't want to run certain plays because those were Nick Foles' plays. Mm-hmm. And now it's just coming out again that the Colts just no love lost whatsoever. Right, yeah. And it just, I don't know. And I think what really did Carson in was that knee injury he had against the Rams during that Super Bowl. On the field, I would say. Right, on the field, right. But it sounds like there's off-the-field problems because I don't think he was that terrible off the field, on the field, at least. His mechanics... 
and he like holds the ball too long. He, he does plays a lot of hero ball. He does do all that. And like, just like, if but you, for a stretch on the Colts this year, he played really well. But yeah, again, you can go back to Jonathan Taylor though. He had you a could great run game and Frank Reich always brings the best out of every quarterback he has. That's true. He's a great quarterbacks coach. And a, I think, I think he's a great coach. First yeah, of all, so I do too. I think he always gets the most out of his quarterbacks. So I think that's one of the reasons why he performed quote unquote well. Yeah, absolutely. And he was the guy who got Carson his like MVP season, even though he didn't win the MVP. I still kind of consider him the MVP of that year. But yeah, who did win it that year? 27. Tom Brady. Ah. But it was one of those. It was a very like quiet year kind of all around the league. Right. We'll just remember. give it to Tom again. Yeah, exactly. Legacy. Pretty much. But it's weird now because this has absolutely got to be his last chance as a starting quarterback, right? Yeah. In Washington. And, and do you think he's that big of an upgrade over Heineke? I do. Yes. I was shocked that the Super Bowl odds didn't go up at all. Like the Super Bowl odds stayed the exact same the day before the trade and the day after the trade for the Washington Commanders. And I was shocked by that. I think Carson's a huge upgrade over Heineke. Huge upgrade. I I think so. Okay. I would say just a notch above. Really? I wouldn't say it's like crazy good upgrade. Do you think Carson's a bottom 15 quarterback in the league? Yeah, he's like probably the... I think he's between 15 and 20? Somewhere. He's probably the 17th, top 17 quarterback in the league. Hey, that's pretty damn good, isn't it? (laughs) But like, that's the thing though. Average quarterbacks, it's hard to win with an average quarterback. It is. I, I, again, I've said this on the podcast before. I fall in love with ceilings. So I still think he can be great, but I don't know. At this point, I think he's going to go down as one of the biggest what ifs in the NFL. Because I think clearly his injury did have an an impact on how he plays because he still plays like he's like an athletic freak of nature. Because that MVP season he had, he was like shrugging off defenders, extending plays, and just throwing bombs. And now when he tries to do that, he'll throw like, a pick six or something like that. And like he holds the ball way too long. He's yes. kind of like a bad version of Brett Favre at this point. That's the perfect way to put it. Yeah. He's the, all the bad of Brett Favre and he shows some glimpses of the good sometimes. Right. It's like 20% of the good of Brett Favre. That's very true. Yeah. It's just so weird. I just don't, I guess it was just the injury and maybe just the, psychologically he got affected by Nick Foles coming in and winning the Super Bowl. Yep. But he was supposed to be the guy. Everyone in the league was super excited about him and the Eagles during his MVP season because he just looked phenomenal. Everyone was like laughing at the Rams for taking Jared Goff when because he was just crushing it at, at two overall. Right. So do you think if so rewind to 2017, do you think if Nick Foles doesn't get hurt, Eagles win by more? Do they lose? What do you think? So you're saying if Wentz had that playoff team? That like playoff? yeah, if Wentz doesn't get hurt in that Rams game week 14. They were clicking in that that season. Yeah. I think they would still win it. Foles is definitely, he played safer than Wentz, but Wentz wasn't making too many turnovers that year either. Not really. I don't remember the exact stats, but I just remember that Eagles team played with so much confidence and swagger. Yeah. They were just the team to beat, and they kind of came out of nowhere because Wentz's rookie year was nothing spectacular. Yeah, I think the year before they went like 7-9, and nine, and then yep. they rattled off like, what, 13-3, and 14-2 that Something like season. that, but yeah. they were just dominant. Their defense was really good. I think they still would have won the Super Bowl. I think they would have beaten the Vikings in the NFC Championship. Probably, yes. It would have been interesting to see Belichick's game plan for Wentz versus Foles. Because there would have been more tape on Wentz than Foles at that point. Exactly. Because so Foles, it was just the two games. Uh, About F- four or five. Oh, he, that's right. He played yeah. the regular season, too. But he but, looked bad in the regular season. Yeah. And then like that first wildcard game or whatever game against the Falcons... Uh, they didn't look great. Foles didn't look great in that. I think they. Round. I think they only won because like the Falcons got stood up on the goal line. Yeah, they're like one play away from. Yep. Facing the Vikings. Oh god. 
whatever. God. <laughs> a lot of what ifs for that season. Yeah, we don't have to talk about 2017 anymore. So. That's okay. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, where do you think the Colts go from here? There's so, talk they might just try and roll with Ellinger. So there, I also, Jason Lockenfora, I don't know how reliable he is nowadays. Yeah. But he says that Cousins is getting, like, people are calling the Vikings about Cousins right now. Oh, yeah. So that, so maybe. I think he's the next domino to fall. I think he's gone. So maybe the Colts are trying to get capital to trade for Cousins with this Carson thing going on. Yep. Maybe Lock and Fora did call Zimmer getting fired and all that like yeah. weeks before. So I don't know. His credibility is up and down Lock and Fora. So maybe Cousins is on the move. I mean, Cousins has to be the best available quarterback left now, right? Right. And Deshaun, I, think, I guess. Deshaun Watson. But, yeah, but that's, that's so many question marks around that. That's a can of worms, too. Yeah. So maybe Cousins is on the move. I personally, I do want to see Cousins just for one more year. Oh, no. Just one more year. Oh, he's got the hook on you still. Because uh, I want to see. It doesn't what, hurt. I would say it does not hurt to try the Cousins thing one more year. Just one more year. I think it, this is like make or break. Yeah. Get him with an offensive minded coach for. That he has experience with. For the, for, I think the first time in his career, he would actually know Mike Shanahan. With Washington, uh, yeah, yeah, probably as an really offensive-minded head coach. Sure, I should say, yeah, yeah. And well, then he had Stefanski in 2019. He wasn't the head coach, right? But if you want to count that head coach, whatever. I know there's there's always that weird like aspect to it, like how much of an influence does the head coach have over a quarterback versus just like a good offensive coordinator. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So, I mean, there this would be a no excuse year for Cousins. Yes, 100%. And he's like, like his third one. <laughs> and, and I say that now, and this will probably be the year he gets like injured for like 10 yeah, games. Exactly. So week, then, week two, he goes down. Like, all right, we got to do it one more year. Yeah, it wasn't then, fair. Yeah, and then a year from now, like, oh, just give him one more year. Just give yeah. him one more year. He's going to finish his career in the Vikings, <laughs> yeah. basically. It will be your five years from now. Like, I think this is the year Cousins does it. Yeah, yeah he's really going to take that next step. Yeah. Because I, I got a hot take that people are not going to like here. I would love to hear it. I don't think Cousins is that far off from Stafford's talent. Really? Do you think he's got a great... I never really think of Kirk Cousins having a great arm, but maybe I could be wrong. He can throw a deep ball pretty well. He is one of the better deep ball throwers in the league. Right. And, like, I don't... I don't... Like, people think I'm crazy, but Cousins is not that far off from Stafford. He just isn't. Do you think the Hall would be similar if they were, like, to trade Cousins? You think they would get two first, two seconds, and a starting quarterback for him? See, I don't know. The mark... Just the quarterback market is so crazy i think the thing with stafford was stafford we all kind of thought there was a next step he could go to like because he was on such a bad team for so long like like if he was in the right situation he would do better offensively there's not many better teams in the vikings in terms of talent around the quarterback yes the offensive line obviously is questionable yeah. but in terms of talent around the quarterback i think you'd be hard pressed to find a team better than the vikings maybe the rams or the bucks if you're but, just going off raw talent I yes would agree. Yeah. So that's the thing. I just don't see Kirk Cousins taking another step. Right. I think he is what he is at this point. Maybe, yeah, that one step could be he wins two playoff games instead of one playoff game. Yeah. And that could be a ceiling. It could be, but then again, is, is that it, worth it? Exactly. Yep, I know if, what, what is your goal here? Are you just trying to make the playoffs or are you trying to win the whole thing? Right. I don't think Kirk Cousins can win a Super Bowl. I think Matthew Stafford can because he has. Right. And <laughs> and, he, but I thought that beforehand too. And what, Stafford... Stafford and uh, Cousins like uh, like wins against winning teams are pretty similar. Too. Yes, that's very true. But, and they're both good like fantasy quarterbacks. Right. But then again, Stafford is on the Lions. You got all that. Yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Just a comparison. I 
When did you hop back on the Kirk Cousins bandwagon? I think when O'Connell got hired. Yeah, now you have an offensive guy. Right. I'm nice and brainwashed with the Vikings organization. You watch all like the hype videos that come out of like him like getting to work super early. Yeah, exactly. So I'm nice and brainwashed for all these takes. So I'm ready to go for the season. (laughs) You got some purple Kool-Aid on your lip, by the way. Yeah, God, (laughs) fucking thirsty. Uh, Well, I'm excited for you. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's run it back. Mm -hmm. Run it back. So you're you're out on Baker Mayfield then? Kirk oh Cousins for Baker Mayfield trade? Yeah, I would. Baker would be tough. That would be tough for me to cheer for. Yeah, that would be a rough one. Or maybe I don't know. Good Pittsburgh, maybe. Yeah, may, I could see him going to Pittsburgh. I think Indianapolis. Definitely an AFC team. Yeah, I think that's the just thing these guys do these days. If you're going to trade a quarterback, trade it to a different conference, just because you can't live with the idea of facing them again and them just destroying you. Right. Yeah. Closest thing I remember to that is McNabb going to the to Washington after the Eagles. A divisional trade, yeah. Right. That's crazy. But obviously that didn't really move the needle. Hey, well now Carson Wentz is back in the NFC East. He's ready to he's gonna wreak <laughs> yeah. havoc on the Eagles twice a year. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh yeah, that even will be interesting. That will be, even though there's not really anyone left from that team. I'm gonna call right. I'm gonna call right now. One of the Monday night games will be Commanders versus Eagles. Probably I bet their first one like their first matchup of the year will be on monday night yeah it'll be like that 6 p.m whatever game and then there'll be that west coast game god we're so good at calling i know when games I love, will be what I, that's like one of my favorite things like call when these matchups are gonna happen what is that though i just i think i because th- I, I do the same thing i think you just like i just love visualizing so much and i can definitely visualize like all the storylines i know i'll probably be at an applebee's ready to watch that game <laughs> Get off work, like yeah, we got Monday night football. Yeah, man. it's Burger Monday at Applebee's, five dollar burgers. Oh, here's a good question: What is your favorite like nighttime stadium? Like, what's the coolest Ooh. stadium at night? Seattle is pretty sick. That's a good one. Seattle, a primetime game cannot be beat. It's sad we're not going to get too many of them. Um, I hate Dallas at primetime. I think Dallas just should just permanently be the four p.m. Fox game, and I would be happy. Yeah, with that. yeah. And you get that sun going through, and it exactly the people like yeah, in, like November, December. For some reason, I just love that way more. Uh. Minnesota does a night game pretty well. Mm-hmm. Lambo does too. I would say Seattle's my favorite, but yeah, I got nothing to add to that. I would say Seattle's my favorite. I would say Patriots is kind of my least favorite only because there were just so many night games there. There were. Just oversaturated with that. Yeah, that's how I'm starting to feel with Arrowhead too, a little bit. A little bit, and I'll keep getting worse as the years go on. Yep. But that is, that is a cool. Um, I like Miami because they have like, it seems like the lights are a little brighter in Miami. Yeah, for some reason. The, and the field seems... Like they turn the saturation up on the field. Like the field is so green in Miami. Yeah, <laughs> which I don't know makes what sense. It, yeah, uh, Arizona's a great one. Baltimore is really good too, especially if they wear the black jerseys. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like uh, Virginia Tech when they have like a, the blackout in Blacksburg. Uh huh. That's, that's like a very similar thing. God, we gotta get some football on TV. <laughs> I'm fucking missing it already. Yeah, I just want to watch night games. Pretty much. <laughs> you know who else really wants to watch football right now? Probably who? Calvin Ridley. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we have did we did talk about this on Tuesday. Uh, so for those who missed it, it's old, old news at this point, but we'll just touch on it because at our roots, we are still a gambling podcast. Uh, Calvin Ridley was suspended for a year for betting on three parlays, a three team, a five team, an eight team. I'm a fucking parlay fan, but the fact that he bet on an eight team parlay is probably enough reason for the suspension. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he included the Falcons winning in all of them. And he also went on a Twitter rampage, just admitting guilt and admitting that he put fifteen hundred dollars, he doesn't have a gambling problem. And a lot of LOLs, like, but you know he's like pissed off. Like, oh yeah, he's he's tweets. trying to be yeah. like, oh, I'm too cool for the league. Like, I don't need this. Right. Um, we talked a little bit about this. I think the initial reaction of kind of the zeitgeist of the league was, oh, the NFL is so fucked. 
But overnight, it shifted to like, yeah, this was probably the right move by the NFL. Yep. That night, I was like thinking about it. Like, you know what? Calvin probably, yeah, he. It's not good that. that a player is betting on the games. Especially, he, he knew what he was doing was wrong. He didn't even try and hide it. Right. Yeah. And like the integrity of the league is so important because if you give them just like a small fine, other people are, I mean, with the risk reward, risk reward. And if the league gets totally corrupt, everybody's going to lose. Yeah. NFL is going to lose. The fans are going to lose. Teams are going to lose. Especially now that like people like us are starting to gamble on these games. Like we can't have the integrity of the league shaken like this. I think that's why I push so hard for, we need better refs in these games. We can't have bad refs deciding certain games or certain aspect of games. Yeah. Ask the NBA about that. Absolutely. <laughs> Sacramento Kings are like a word with, <laughs> right. with us. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand why the NFL did it. So, I mean, a year suspension, there is precedent with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the sixties, Paul Horton and Alex Karras got suspended for an entire year for betting on games. Yep. This is like 1963. So, and if you really want to rewind the Chicago Black Sox were throwing games like in 1918 over a hundred years ago so that's insane to think about yep so there is precedent for all this and i think overall it's the right call by the nfl obviously the nfl has problems deciding suspensions all that yes but when it comes I, to this single case i'm pretty much on the side of the nfl i would i would just like to see more i think everyone was more so i think they realized afterwards they were more so mad at the lack of severity for things like domestic violence yes. or like drunk driving right like which is a problem Hundred percent. I think those should be stricter punishments for sure. Yep. But it's just it was an interesting case of don't you don't always have to be the first person to express an opinion on something. It's okay to like sit back and think about things, especially in sports. Everyone immediately thinks their opinion will is the right one, or they'll just hop onto whatever people are saying on Twitter. Yep. And it and it's always like cooler to be like anti-shield and everything absolutely fuck the league right (laughs) stand with the players no matter what Mm -hmm. so it's one of those things yeah we just see whatever like portnoy's tweeting and just hop onto that or mina kimes or something like that yep yep and everyone's wants that early clout that gets a good tweet that and that's the problem with like i don't want to get too deep into this but like today's society is everyone is willing to like say the wrong thing if it means they get likes or retweets Mm -hmm. i mean I, i even fell victim to it i was like like once this happened, you and I were like, we got to get some sort of like tweet out quickly, like because we're in, but we're also in the social media business, right? Does I think, and I guess all these other people are too that are talking about it, but it just makes for bad discourse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. we got to fucking get Twitter taken down or something like that. Yeah, Twitter should spend everybody's. If they you should only get one tweet a day. That's oh, I, I actually that's do. Rule. I actually do believe that hundred percent. I think you should only get one tweet a day. I like that a lot. Because I think that would actually fix so many of the problems mm-hmm. of the way we communicate with each other. And it's quality over quantity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you got to like get a banger out. I think that would be good for, honestly, all social medias. Right. Yeah. Well, we could start our own one and just do, we call it one tweet a day. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I've actually seen, I think I saw someone, I could. I can't remember who, but they were like suggesting that as well. Oh, okay. You saw it on Twitter? Yeah, I yeah. think so. And then there, it was a thread, actually. So, <laughs> so he tweeted multiple times off yeah, of that. Yeah, 100%. The hypocrisy was not yeah. lost upon me. How ironic. Yeah. Let's shift gears from football a little bit. We are The madness is full-fledged. Yes. Shout out to the SDSU Jackrabbits, my sister's school of choice. They are going dancing. Yeah. And we got, right now, we're at halftime of the Duke series game. Ten minutes game. left. Two, ten minutes, oh, ten minutes left of the second half. I read that wrong. Duke is up by two points. Uh, Selection Sunday is around the corner. I also decided, 
for March Madness, we are going to have on the ESPN app, you can like have bracket groups. So we're going to have our own bracket groups so our fans can like play along with us. Oh, fun. I'm trying to think of maybe we'll do some sort of prize or something like that. I, we'll decide by next Thursday's podcast, but be look, on the lookout for that. I will tweet out details on and put them on Instagram, all the goose egg pages, goose.egg.gamble, you know where to find us. So be on the lookout for that. Um, brackets are almost here. You're kind of the college basketball guy, so I lean on you a little bit here. Are there any teams that are heating up a little more from when we talked about this last week that you got your eyes on? Um, it's a good question. I'm I've been watching a lot of SEC recently. Yeah. Um, I like Alabama still a lot. Um, I think Calipari will get it together in Kentucky. Um, Illinois is looking good. Uh, Coburn's a really good center. Um, for Big Ten. Uh, Purdue's getting hotter and hotter and hotter as the days go at, on. At the right time. At the right time. So, and I like their center Edie a lot. So, I don't know. I don't really quite know yet. This is the time of year you kind of really sc- scope out like the Kemba Walker teams. Yeah. Uh, like stuff like that. So, I mean, it is still early in the conference championship round. So, um, do you think South Dakota State goes far at all? They're like the, the Cinderella almost. No, I no. do not. They maybe win one game, but this happens all South Dakota State. And I, because I'm from South Dakota, I have a lot of SDSU people in my Snapchat and my Instagram still. So every year when they make the tournament, which is pretty regularly these days, they probably make it every other year or so. Mm-hmm. And they're always super excited. Like, yeah, we're going dancing. This is our year. And <laughs> we're going it, dancing. It never, we'll talk about it in a little bit because I have some <laughs> fucking thoughts on that phrase. But every single year and they just never do. They'll maybe win one game because there, there are going to be those random 13, 14 seeds that do win games. But oh, yeah. I just feel like it's never the SDSU <laughs> for any for whatever reason. I know you're not huge into this, but like if you're to pick one winner to win it all, who would you pick right now? Um, I I think you said Arizona. Yeah, Arizona's a train. I like yeah, I like that. Um, I always just kind of lean on like the blue blood programs, like Duke, stuff like that. I could see Duke like catching fire. I mean, we'll see with this conference game, but yeah. they'll still be in the tournament. Regardless. Gonzaga's fucking good. Yeah, Gonzaga's I've, really good. I've been watching them a lot. Uh, I've been betting a lot on Providence lately, and they've never let me down. Mm-hmm. Right now, I have a friend of mine is giving me his college basketball picks, and they've been fucking hitting. I don't know if he just yeah. watches a lot, but they've been really good. He gave you that North Carolina Duke bet, right? He did. Yeah. I've, fuck, I did not see that coming. No, I didn't either because I was like kind of argued against him on that. He's like, no, I just think rivalry game. They're going to like play their asses off and Duke's going to be a little like thrown off by the pregame ceremony. So he was right. So my friend, you know who you are. I know you listen. So I appreciate that. Do you think it's cheating to listen to a friend and just take their bets? Because I got some shit for that. No, I don't think so either. I think we're all in this together. We're against it's us versus Vegas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is a group effort. It's, very, Absolutely. it's a lot of collectivism. That's why I'm totally fine. People will DM the goose egg page sometimes with like their bets for the weekend and stuff like that. And I like hopping on it just because like if it was a game I wasn't previously going to bet on or watch, it gives me a reason to watch. Right. And I follow handicappers on Twitter that, yeah. that help out. And I don't know. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. And, and you and I are always trading betting advice. You gave me that really good bet idea for today for the final four. Oh, yeah. Should I reveal yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's a little a little early on in the process, but remember this for a month from now. OK, so when the final four starts, the very first game of the final four, bet the under for the first half because of the first game of final four, the first half. Yep. Bet the under because there's always people talking about like the depth perception with the hoop in the stadium is much larger than a normal like basketball arena. 
So that like throws it off a little bit, like for three pointers, especially, and it's becoming more and more of a three point shooting league. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of it. And the rims seem a little stiffer in the final four also just like a little tighter. It's like they just went a little righty tighty, a little too much on the rims. Well, it's cause I think the staff just wants everything to be perfect. Cause it's yes. the bigger event. So they like are way more thorough than they probably need to be. And though they seem like new rims that are really not quote unquote broken in. So they want the like the nicest shit possible. And too. these are also arenas that people aren't typically playing basketball in. So they're like bringing new rims and hoops in, right? Yep, yep. And they're like the floors might, I don't know if the floors are. The sneakers squeak a little different. Squeakers, yep. And then you got that ca- that rolling camera on the side. It's very distracting. Mm-hmm. I'm always afraid somebody's going to just dive into that and hurt themselves. <laughs> or fucking hurt the camera. Hurt the guy. <laughs> it's a lot of money. <laughs> it's like five grand, that thing. That and also just like the jitters of playing that first exactly. Final Four game. They they won't have played for a week and they're two games away from a championship. And there's a excited. lot of hype around it. Like a lot of big crowds. Kendrick like Lamar's in the parking lot performing a concert. Before I, I hate when they do that. Like now we're going to go check in on Diplo as he performs in a parking lot somewhere. Ladies and gentlemen, the chain smokers. Yeah, the, the, the chain smokers probably make their annual salary just performing at sporting events. There's in such a parking a, lot. There's outside. such a weird Venn diagram of like uh, artists who have like I wouldn't I don't want to say like no artistic integrity, but like they're clean. Their music is clean enough to be played on ESPN. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like that bang, 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 that song. 100%. Imagine yeah. Dragons own that demographic. <laughs> the Chainsmokers own it. AG, AJR, I think, is the... J. Cole usually gets his songs gets NBA. The, NBA. Yeah, J. Cole's NBA commercials. Right. Think, J. Cole, I think, just drops a new song right before the NBA playoffs every year just so he can be on the commercials. On the bumpers. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't really do it with Drake. I think he's probably just too expensive to like yeah. buy. <laughs> but you would think... Yeah, I can't imagine J. Cole's that much cheaper than Drake, but... I think J. Cole just has like the harder like beats. I think Drake doesn't really do like hard rap beats anymore. Well, and J. Cole's like more of a basketballer too. Yeah, he's maybe. trying to make it in the NBA. So like, he probably wants that exposure, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I wonder if he's still playing in Africa because he was playing in Africa this oh, last yeah. summer. I forgot about that. I listened to his podcast he did with Kevin Durant about that. It was actually really cool. He wants to make it to the NBA. Mm. And How old is he? He's 34, I think. Oof does. Yeah, but he like kept the goal a secret for like the last ten years, and he's like been training like an NBA player for like the last four years. That's why he hasn't like dropped a ton of new music yet. Wow, he's really into it. Yeah, his two biggest goals in life growing up were to be a rapper and be in the NBA, and he did the rapper thing, and then he realized like, oh shit, I still have like time to make it to the NBA, which you could say is delusional. But he like made it to a professional Africa league, and now would he have made that if he wasn't J Cole? Probably not. Yeah. But it's still really cool. I don't think he'll ever start an NBA game, but I could see him making on a roster someday. Well, I could see like the Kings or something or like G League. Yeah, I could see that. that. And he's from Carolina. So maybe the Hornets bring him on for like a day. Yeah. And go like that. I could see him in the G League. And that's about it, to be honest. Yeah, it's 34. 34, He is like does not have a huge vertical. He can shoot pretty well. If he was like 26 right now, there is a chance. But. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Poor guys have to just settle for being a platinum rapper. Poor dad. Yeah. Poor guy. But I, it was inspiring still nonetheless. Yeah. So, it inspires you to go to the NBA. I don't think. I think I could drop everything right now, and I don't even think I can make the G League. I have so much work to do in basketball. It's. So, <laughs> I don't know if you'd make the G League even. I don't even. If I dropped literally my entire life, and also, like, assuming I adopt, like, the just mindset of, like, a singular focus and just could do that. I don't think I could. No. 
I think I could maybe start on a rec league or something like that. Oh, yeah. I'm pitiful in basketball, dude. I fucking love playing, but I'm fucking pitiful. Whenever there's nothing in the world more humbling than watching yourself play basketball on video. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you, we did that video with Joey and I watched myself play. God. Yeah, yeah. I would rather do like a thirst trap than post a video of me playing <laughs> basketball. It is embarrassing. I didn't realize my shot form was that bad. And like in the moment, I feel like I'm doing good. Like I feel like, oh, I'm crossing him up. Like I'm dribbling. Then I look at the video. I'm like looking down at the ground, dribbling with my palms. And you're like, your back's like way too straight. You're, down, you're like, yeah, like that, this. That's the, that's the key of like a bad athlete is your back is way too straight. Right. You don't get low. Bats in the cave. Yeah, and that's my problem. I watch now that I'm in these breakfast fall videos too. Like, I think my golf swing is improving, but I watch it. I literally look like fucking Waluigi from <laughs> Mario Golf swinging. That's the most comparable thing I have because I'm like kind of built like him too. Yeah, yeah you, I didn't want to say that, but you are. Yeah. No, I've been told by people. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to say that. So. There's sometimes even like after, like I, when I play with some of my friends, like after a bad swing, they'll just go, wah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's okay. I'll get over it when I get make it to the league. Yeah, when you beat Ryan in golf, then you can. That's coming this summer. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. My One of my New Year's resolutions was to put 50 dedicated hours of golf in. Oof. Even just like hitting the driving range. Well, driving range counts as one, but like a golf, a round of golf counts as like two because you're not actually playing golf for all four hours. Right. Yeah. I'm already I'm already at seven. We played a lot in Arizona. Oh, you'll hit that. Yeah, I think especially I when you're with the breakfast ball and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll hit easy that. New Year's resolution for me. Yeah, that's a layup. Jared, there's two ways I'm going to be making money this weekend. I'm going to be going to a casino for a wedding, and I'm Ooh. going to be placing lots of bets on DraftKings. Nice. I feel a lot more confident with my odds on DraftKings than I do at the casino. Oh, naturally. Yeah. I feel good about wh where my basketball headspace is at right now. Mm -hmm. I've been placing some UFC bets with the help of a friend. Oh, Those nice. have been hitting pretty well. Nice. And even dabbling in a little bit of hockey. Yeah, yeah. Hockey is tough not to crack, but once you get it, it's fun. Yeah, that's right. I keep hearing that hockey mm -hmm. gambling is the way to go. Yep. So I'm kind of dipping into all of the plates, and it's easier to do than ever with DraftKings, obviously. Yep. Because they have any bet you could possibly imagine in terms of sports, e games, etc. The whole nine yards. Oh, game. Yeah, absolutely. The whole full court. Full court. There you go. The full ice. The whole hardwood. Yeah. <laughs> rink. Yeah, yeah, full yeah, rink. Full rink. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of that. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Been making a decent amount of money. I'm not going to lie. I'm still slightly hot mm -hmm. from the Super Bowl. It's like running over. I'm obviously getting a lot of bets from some friends that are helping out. Hey, that's fine, though. Absolutely. It's yeah. a group effort. It's all about us versus Vegas. Yes. And DraftKings is our weapon, our secret weapon yep. against Las Vegas, I would say. Yep, absolutely. So as March Madness is right around the corner, people, you got to get in on DraftKings. And if you're not in a state where there's legal gambling, you can always do the daily fantasy. Yep. You can almost play it every night with NBA. Oh, yeah. There's always games you can go on. Mm -hmm. I think uh, DeMar DeRozan is probably the best daily fantasy player out there right now. He's and James Harden's sneakily good. He's, yeah, sneakily good. Avoid Russell Westbrook. I yes. kind of thought he'd be a great fantasy player when I got him in my keeper, keeper league. Great advice. He is not. Yeah, so that advice is all free. Um, so, yeah, just head over to DraftKings and get ready because this March is about to be crazy. And lit. And lit. And madness. And madness. Shit, I should have done that one first. <laughs> Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Speaking of layup, back oh. to basketball. So I would say Providence and Arizona and Gonzaga are my three teams I'm going to be watching for the most. It's like... With Providence, like, I don't know anything about the Big East. Like, that's the one thing I always that's such a, brush I never even visited that part of the country except for the one time I went to New York and Washington, D.C. I know nothing about the East. And, like, what do they do there? The thing about Big East is, like, their logos 
all look kind of similar. I don't know how to explain it, but like Creighton looks similar to like Villanova. Providence looks similar. Like they all have like the same type of a design. You can tell. And it was always like blacks and blues. You and can shit tell like that. that they're not schools where creative people go to. It's schools where like business people go to. Yeah, a little bit. Because they have they're all their logos are I think boring. I think they're kind of cool, but they just all look so similar. And all yeah, like all their like mascots are just like the bears or something like that. Yeah, There's yeah, just yeah. not a lot of creativity on the east. And I think that's like just kind of how that culture is of the world. Like the East is very just like money, business oriented, science oriented. Well, it's very like well established and like traditions or exactly because like Harvard and all that are like the oldest universities. Yeah, someone named like Wellington back in the day designed these, and they just stick with it because they believe in like the blue blood tradition. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a thought I had. Is like these similar. All these logos look pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, on the West Coast, you have like the Stanford trees. Right. And then like Oregon rebrands every two years, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Thanks, West Coast Knight. is very into change. I think you can blame Phil Knight for that. Oh, yeah. With Nike and all that. So. 100%. Great book. I don't know if you've read his book. Mm-mm. Check it out. for the goose. That'll be the first Goose Egg Sports Book Club book Fuck. is Shoe Dog well, by that, Phil Knight. We won't be doing that for three years because it takes me forever to read a book. I'm so bad at it, too, dude. No, you're better than I am. I don't think so. Yeah. How my, many books do you think you've read in your 20s? In my 20s? Yeah. Fuck. Two or three? I'm probably at like four or five. That's better than I'm doing. But all my books are nonfiction. I've not read a fiction book since I think high school. Oh, you should get into it. It's fun. I I, I always just think it's a waste of time because I, I get into big self-improvement phases of life. Gotcha. <laughs> big Like like Ryan does kind of. I'll read a lot of the same books Ryan has. That's why I get a lot of his references. Yeah. Like when he was talking today about David Goggins <laughs> pull-up record. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So I'm, that's the type of thing. So I want to go back a little bit to when you said we're going dancing. Yes. I technically said it too. I see it all over my Instagram right now because the Jackrabbits are going dancing. You're Jackrabbits. They're not my Jackrabbits. If anything, I would have gone to USD. Oh, gotcha. I had I did the three schools I applied to were USD, SDSU, and U of M. And I got into all three. Wow. Actually, I might have applied to Nebraska too. I don't remember. Big book reader. A little bit. But I hate the phrase we're going dancing so much. And I don't know why. I think... It's just, it's just overused. It just, it's one of those things that people post. It's like, oh, look, I know a little bit more about sports than you do. Cause they want someone to reply. Uh, like, what do you mean you're going dancing? Oh, well, the big tournament's called the big dance. And since we're going to the big tournament, we're going to the big dance. It's like that, mm-hmm. that sl- you're, it's just that slight, there's some weird like level of condensation, not condensation, condensation, con- <laughs> condescension to it or. Yeah, yeah. I see Condescent, what yeah, consenting, whatever the fuck. But it just got me thinking, what are some sports tropes that you hate? Because sports are loaded with just those cliches or those tropes that just feel outdated or just feel like people say just to fill airtime. Especially with the 24-hour news cycle, we're all just kind of saying the same thing just to kill time. I hate when people call it a copycat league. I said, oh, oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a bad one. It's just like, it's a copycat league. It's a copycat league. Like, well, elaborate on that one. Right. I want to say it's a carbon copy league. That's even better because you're smarter. Right. So I'm a little more big brain than that. Mm-hmm. One I hate is the like a, the epi- the sentiment that one team wanted it more than the other. I think when you're at the level of sports, we're like watching it. I don't think one team wants it more than the other. And Mark Cuban does a really good breakdown of this when he went on the first take, like after the Mavs beat the Heat in the finals. He called out Skip Bayless and Stephen A for that. He's like, your guys' analysis is basically like, oh, like, uh, Dirk wanted it more than LeBron's. Like, I think everyone wants it the same amount when they're playing in the championship. Sure. Obviously, there might be some exceptions. Like, Peyton Manning probably wanted it more than Jamarcus Russell. 
something like that. But that's an extreme example. Exactly. But when, when you get like to the finals, I mean, that's I mean, everyone yeah, wants uh, it. Yeah. And that makes and that makes more sense for like a narrative or something like that. Like it, it sells better on ESPN than saying, oh, like one team made better adjustments than the other and like actually breaking down the stuff saying one team wants it more than the other. It just sounds better. Yeah. But I think it's just so lazy. Well, how do you feel about when people say like they didn't win the game, the other team lost the game? You know what I'm saying with that? Like, I think that one makes more sense because it's like like mistakes and stuff like that. Right. Like they didn't lose the game. turnovers, right. mistakes, stuff like that. But who wants them? I just I can't imagine there's like if you're in the NBA finals or something, it's game six and one team's like, yeah, they just want it more. They'll probably end up winning. Like, mm-hmm. We just don't really care as much as they do. How do you quantify that? There's no quantifying it. Well, that's why analysts say it. Because you can't quantify You can't challenge them on it. And they're not very analytical to begin with. You can only do stats so much. But if they want, if it wants to fit with their narrative, then they'll, that's their fail safe. Exactly. We'll just say, well, they just wanted it more. Yep. It's just like, it's almost like just blowing air out of your mouth. It doesn't mean anything. Absolutely. 100%. (laughs) So that's what I think with that. Yeah. Um, I got what's sort of a trope, not really. But what, what is with like announcers saying, like they don't want to say ass like when when somebody like catches a touchdown and their ass like falls in the end zone like they don't want to say ass they, like that's they, so true. they want to say like oh his uh his uh his backside uh touched the end zone and he's yeah, as, or they'll like circle it or like as you can see right there he makes contact with the end zone it's like come on we're grown-ups here just, just say ass yeah or just say butt i don't care they're, yeah they're even afraid to say butt it's so weird his uh his, uh, his backside his uh his rear end i don't know why they're so the most scientific it's, yeah, we're all grown-ups. We all know what a butt is. We all have them. Or say ass. Nobody will give a shit. People will probably respect it more. Yeah, I feel like they just feel like Disney or the network just having a gun to the back of their head. Like, don't you dare lose a single viewer. <laughs> right. but yeah, that is so... I've never thought about that. <laughs> they, they always just have the weirdest ways of explaining it. Like, whenever they get, like, Mike Pereira or something to come out and explain a call, it's like, you know, like, circle it. As you can see, yeah, the backside hits right here. <laughs> right. You can see right where his two legs meet at the, right. on his back. Yeah. They meet right there. You can see, like, on his upper thigh region that his... his, his, his <laughs> on his reverse upper thighs. <laughs> <laughs> right, that that he uh, touched the end zone. So, like, I never understood, like, just say it. And they always, like, pause for, like, a half a second because they don't really know what, what they're angle thinking they want to go to They're thinking about it, it. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, just say ass, dude. That part of just even American culture is so weird. Right. Like, we'll, we'll, like, avoid saying the word butt and ass, but then Game of Thrones will show people fucking. Well, even, like. Or we'll show, like, violence to sure. the max. Well, even on a smaller scale, like Twitter, like, you, they're dropping the F-bomb every other tweet you can sometimes see. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're all used to it. Like, but then, like, they'll block any anything else. Right, yeah. And it's just, like, it's fine. Like, you can say ass. Nobody will give a shit. Yeah, I think, we, I think we're past stuff. that. We are very past that. Yeah. We're, like, the last. 40 years, years yeah pretty much who cares another one i have is i'm sick of training montages in sports movies oh I, I don't mind them i'm ready for i just don't feel pumped up they're all the same it's all they start off weak and just get stronger as the song goes on it just feels like a way to force a song into a movie I, after rocky did it i'm like all right i think we're over it right and that was back in the 80s exactly it's just an easy way to kill time and i guess it shows the passage of time and like shows that he's working hard but they're all just too long hmm and they're all the same. But now I also just don't like how everyone just parodies the Rocky one. Right. They Like they will use the same song and do like the exact, like he's hitting meat or something like that. Right. Running like upstairs. Running or chasing a chicken. Mm-hmm. 
or just hitting the weights and like he's like looking in the mirror like, yeah all intense uh what else would they do yeah i think what like rocky four was like like 30 percent of the movie was all montages yep so like they were they really they were, were milking it. they were milking it for right. sure and i understand with pace and all that but yeah i that one's uh, more of a filmmaker trope than it probably is a sports <laughs> trope right. for me what else do i hate another one i hate is how it's again about like analysts and just how they're blowing hot air 90 percent of the time but Every single game that's lost, it's the quarterback's fault or like the NBA superstar's fault. Every single game they won, it's, oh, it's because the quarterback stepped up or the NBA superstar stepped up. Yeah. Have we not reached a point of like, like we're all into sports enough that I think we can like handle a more detailed analysis than just the quarterback is good, quarterback bad versus NBA superstar good, superstar bad. Right. And that's going to, I mean, sports writers do that because it gets the most headlines. Yeah. Especially when you talk about LeBron. Always comes down to money. You're gonna get more clicks if you blame it on an athlete compared to, I don't know, J.R. Smith. Yeah, or like talk. Yeah, talking about like adjustments or like formations, anything like that. Right, or like you can sometimes go into coaching, but usually it's the star of the team. Yeah, that they attack right away. Yeah, I just wish there was a like a network out there that could do like more in depth analysis that's like more mainstream because I think fans are ready for that. I don't think fans are gonna sit there like every single game like yeah, Cowboys. One because of Dak Prescott. Oh, Cowboys lost because of Dak Prescott. Like, I think we understand there's more nuance to it at this point. Oh, you can find a lot of that on YouTube. There is, yeah. The thing with like ESPN and all that is the reason they hire like Stephen A is because it makes for great clips. Re- yeah. Very controversial. They can argue all day. And that's more that's more entertaining to the normal person than like analysis analytic people like agreeing on a take yeah. and moving on. I forget that probably 80% of sports fans are more casual fans and it's entertainment. It is. So like they're just going obviously for clicks and all that. When Stephen A makes a wild rant, people are going to normal. People are going to watch, watch that more than some guys analysis then of like, why Kirk uh, cousins is not throwing the deep ball. Well, that's just yeah, natural. You're right. You're right. You're right. But that that's the, I, I agree with you, but it's that's still a problem, but yeah, yeah, I'm just ready for something new. There's right. a, there's a market there. I think for, and you, there's a lot of YouTube channels that do what you're saying. Yeah. So there's I, even TikTokers who do it. Sure. Yeah. So there is, there is that it just isn't mainstream or not is probably the argument. I know. It just, I think I'm more so just upset that we, as the fans don't demand more or something. Right. If you look for it, you can find it. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You're like, "Come on, I just want some <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just waiting for Stephen A Smith to break down the I formation. I'm probably lost. That actually <laughs> would be funny. I would love I think that would be the best thing ESPN could do is actually get Stephen A in front of a whiteboard and say explain a, like break down a play. And I think NFL players would enjoy that. Or like Skip Bayless doing that or something. God, if we ever make it big, that's what we got. We got to like have a show where we bring on these analysts and like actually have them break down <laughs> the formations. Yeah. yeah, but like it's only like the talking head analysts or the former players. Right. The former players would do better, obviously. Yes. But yeah, yeah, I would love to get like Max Kellerman in front of the whiteboard <laughs> to see what he could do. Colin Coward. Oh, Colin would obviously destroy. <laughs> Colin would just write down analogies on the board. <laughs> Just like doodles of like houses and like this, yeah, the housing market, Wall Street, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Silicon Valley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then it would like equal to like, well, Wall Street's up and down, just like, I don't know, the Vikings offense. Yeah. Or you do some stupid analysis. Do parallels. Like then when you zoom out of the whiteboard, it just says divorce in a bit, in a big <laughs> word. It's just all beautiful minds type thing. <laughs> yeah. You get way too artsy fartsy with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I got one more. You got any more? 
Uh, no, I don't. The last one I have, and I think we as fans are so ready to move past this. And but yet, like whenever we do a little bit, the media just attacks it. But cliche post game interview responses. Yeah, I am so over them. Like, I, they're always just trying to say the safe thing because they don't want to make headlines for their team and all of that. Understandable, but yeah, it is understandable. But at the same time, how many times do we need to hear? Oh yeah. Just shout out to my teammates. They did a really good job. Uh, the other team played really well, but uh, it was all about we just executed, turned over the ball less. So, like, like, I I don't know. I think all my problems are more so with just, like, how babied the fans are right. in terms of sports. And, again, there is markets out there for more in-depth stuff. But anytime anything even slightly controversial comes out that's even, like, strays a little bit from a typical post-game response, it's everywhere. Right. So I get why the teams do it. Right. Just be very vanilla about it and everything. What is funny is, like, I think in college, ba- college football, basketball too, is like at halftime, they'll interview the coaches and the coaches are like so short with them. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you got to play better in second half. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You know, one word responses pretty much. God that bless those halftime reporters for like yes. doing that. They, they know exactly the answer they're going to get. They have to go get these guys. They have to run. They have to sprint to get them as they're like heading off to the field. Like, coach, what adjustments can you make in the second half? Just got to play better. Thank you. Back to you. Yeah, yeah. Like that's got to be the least fulfilling job. And those poor, of all like, time. and they're usually lady reporters. And those poor lady reporters are like running in heels. Yeah, and probably getting them down. Like, there's no way the coach wants to talk to them. They probably have to like straight up step in front of them to like get them to stop. Right, and it's, they're always like walking right by them, like doing exactly. Yeah. yeah, the coaches. Also, the coaches can fucking relax and give them a better, like, slow down, give them a good answer. You don't need to be with the team the entire halftime. Yeah, it's it's case by case, but yeah, usually it's just... There's some coaches that do, like, a decent job at it. Popovich used to be notorious for that. Yeah. (laughs) The, like, end of the quarters. Mm -hmm. That was funny. I do like when the NBA does the... The report, the, like, interviews, like, mid-quarter, like, when the game is going on. I think that's really unique. Or, like, you know a team's, like, really fucking up if, like, the assistant coach... Is doing the interview, yeah. and not the head coach. Like, oh, they're they're getting they're chewed getting out. Chewed out. <laughs> That's so bad. Hey, so we're here with assistant coach. Uh, what's your name again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got. I, yeah, I'll stay with you. I'll answer every question. I do not want to be in that fucking <laughs> locker room right now. Do you want to ask me anything else? Yeah, ask me about my day. Ask me anything, dude. I think he's gonna fire me in there. <laughs> I'm trying to enjoy this as long as possible. That is, it was. It's always very telling when the assistant coach is in the interview. <laughs> yeah, there's no chances for a good reason. <laughs> right. It's like, oh boy. They're getting chewed out right now. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> God bless them, though. God bless the sideline reporters. That's got to be one of the toughest jobs in the sports and just the most thankless. Yeah, it's tough. And then they got to like follow injury reports, kind of be nosy and all that. Yeah, because you had to you had to go like tap on people's shoulder, like, hey, is he like is he tears ACL? Like, what's going on there? Yeah, I got to eavesdrop a lot. That's got to be a tough job. That's why I'm hyped. Doris Burke got her contract extension. Yeah, good. She for does her. a good job. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, that, that's I'm definitely a thankless job because they also, yeah, they have to dress super nice and, yeah, like run around in heels mm-hmm. and like drag their cameraman with them. They have like a mic on a wire. So they, I'm sure they trip all the time. Just absolute chaos all around. Oh, yeah. No one wants to talk. They're like, the players are like trained not to talk to these guys. Yeah. Like you're trained not to talk to the media all week. Mm-hmm. And their reporters got to beat it out of them. Yeah, pretty much. So good for them. Good for them. We got to interview a sideline reporter or something like that. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. We'll find somebody. Yeah, that'd be a good time. You got anything else before we wrap this sucker up? Um, Do I have anything? I'll enjoy March Madness. There's going to be basketball on for the next like four weeks every weekend. Pretty much. So enjoy it. And we'll do a big preview episode next, po- next podcast once the bracket comes out. Stay tuned for the bracket group details. Mm-hmm. We'll try and think of some sort of prize. For I, think, I think we'll do winner. a Monday episode. Yeah, might as well. Yeah, I like that. And then, yeah, we'll obviously do have one probably come up before Thursday. 
where all the big games start. Yep, absolutely. Until for the dance. For the dance. We're going dancing. We're going dancing. <laughs> Get your dancing shoes ready, people. One more thing. Let's hear do it. Do you want to talk brackets yet, or you want to say that for Monday? I talk a little bit. What do you got? Do you have any strategies for brackets? Um, we talked. Have we talked about my naming strategy? I just pick good, good names a good amount of the times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do that. Um, I underdogs can't win more than two games. Like big underdogs, like a, anything under a ten seed, they usually don't get to win more than two games. Mm-hmm. I try and stick with that. Um, I try and have at least two one seeds in the final four at all times because usually that's how it happens. Yeah, fair enough. And the games I always struggle with the most are the eight versus the nine. Oh yeah, that is tough. that is always the toughest. That's always when I just pick the better name, <laughs> right? Or you flip a coin. Yep, hundred percent. Or what names? Yeah, do you do anything like flip a coin or like eeny meeny miny mo to pick like tough games? Yeah, I'll do a little bit of that. Um, whatever name sounds cooler. Like I like yep. I said, I like picking Xavier. I always try and close my eyes and imagine like the ESPN broadcasters like you're tuning into Duke versus Xavier, or you're turning into Duke versus Providence. Like I was just like, oh, what sounds better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what I do too. There's always like some blue buds bloods in my head that i always go to too so but we can dive deep on that yeah we'll do a big selection monday and we'll go we'll get into the psychology of bracketology absolutely (laughs) sounds fun all right y'all have a great weekend and if you're carson wentz listening to this our bad and carson answer my phone calls yeah for like the last 10 grandma's pissed grandma's fucking (laughs) very mad right now see ya see ya